0: Uh-huh. Don't turn the blind eye, you must get involved To evolve, make change for these people of all Let's go. It's your world, it's your land hey. You must comprehend or you cannot stand uh-huh. Don't turn the blind eye, you must get involved To evolve, make change for these people of all this- Get involved for the change that we all been aching With your host, my big bro, and with J. day this
1: Just come and cause I need to know what is due What's up with you, and what the hell you plan to do You know, it's your world, it's your land You must comprehend, or you cannot stand Don't turn the blind eye, you must get involved To evolve, make change for these people of ours
0: Hey guys, this is Candace Joseph. Look, I am your host with the most. We are back here for another great episode of TNT in Politics. And this is the thing: we want to know, we want you to know that it's your voice that has to be heard out here. And look, we're gonna ring some bells today because we got some hot topics that we're gonna discuss. We have great guests that are gonna join us later, and. We're just gonna do it. But I wanna introduce my co-host for today. But you know, I'm to let him introduce himself because not only is the gentleman beside me someone that is phenomenal in what he does, he's just an all-around great guy. Albert, what's going on?
2: Hi Candace, my name's Albert Ching. I'm uh, happy to be here. I've been in government and politics my whole career. I grew up in Southwest Houston, went to Bellar High School and the University of Houston.
0: See, man, look, he's a man of many, of uh, few words but many talents, I can say that. So I absolutely love having you in today. And so we're just gonna kick it right off. You know, it's our goal here at TNT and Politics to bring you national, international, and local news. So we're gonna start off with some hot topics today and, and you know, we're gonna talk about some local news here. So, you know, we are here in Houston, Texas, and from wherever you're watching in the world, we know that crime is a, you know, it's part of those things that happen in a city. But, you know, today we're gonna to talk about a lot of crime here in Houston. There's been a lot of different shootings and murders here lately since the start of 2022. And Aber and I are gonna get into it a little bit.
2: Yeah, Candace. Not, not just murders, but I mean, this last week, two police officers uh, killed.
0: Yeah, and four injured. And, you know, it's a very unfortunate situation. And a lot of times we, as citizens, everyday citizens, we're like, okay, why is this happening? What's going on here? And what can we do as citizens to, you know, protect ourselves or even look out for our own neighborhood? So, you know, but it all boils down to gun control. Let's, let's talk about it.
2: Uh, I think every time the discussion about crime comes up, you want to bring up gun control. And I would say my friends on the left always bring that up. But you've got things that are already illegal. Uh, for example, the, the Glock switch, those are illegal. They're not... Anyone, no one's not supposed to have them unless you're licensed uh, with the feds. And now this new guy making guns with uh, printing, which I think uh, is a fairly new issue, and that 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 could be discussed. But I think limiting law-abiding citizens' Second Amendment right just is not the answer.
0: Well, you know, on uh, was it September 3rd of 2021, they put into a place where you don't have to have a license now for you know gun. Of gun purchases and you know gun possession. what do you how do you feel about that? Because I can honestly say for me is I have a mixed view about that.
2: Yeah, I think um, uh, you know when the session started, lieutenant governor and the governor really wasn't on their you know on their radar until certain advocates pushed it and pushed it. I think the the law in Texas, the concealed handgun, Uh, law where you go to a class and you take some training was working very well. And so I didn't see a need politically or on the second amendment side to, um, to uh, change the law.
0: Hmm. I got to say, I I understand that perspective. So to me, it always boil it down to the individual, you know, individuals choose to commit crimes. Individuals choose that. But when it comes to to gun control. I understand what you're saying about the left. I get it. I get it, Albert. The left. We're gonna always talk about gun control, right? Gun control and laws, laws, laws. But I think for me it really boils down to the individual's choice and what they choose to do with those guns. And like you said, if you're a responsible citizen with a gun, you should be able to, you know, store it correctly, make sure that you're you know, you can protect your home, but make sure that you follow all the laws as well. And with the rise of people, you know, three D printing That's something that's scary because out of the three crimes that, you know, that were the six crimes that was committed this week with involving police officers, shootings and killings, three of those were used with parts that were made through 3D printing. So, you know, it's like, okay, do we need to, you know, look at 3D printing now? You know, it's one of those things. Like, I
2: think we definitely need to look at it. It's very difficult, like, how are you gonna regulate it? Because, yeah. you know, the 3D printer can print a lot of things. And just because you tell it to print some kind of uh, accessory to a gun, you know, how, how how do you regulate that? I do know, I think there was the original um, specs. I think the guy that first came up with the uh, plans, he, he did withdraw it from the internet so that people couldn't do it. Uh, I think you have to work out things like that, but, um, uh, that's definitely a topic that we need to look at. I, I do know also, uh, not improperly securing your guns, a lot of legal gun owners unfortunately leave their guns in their cars, maybe not intentionally, but they definitely need to secure those weapons so that uh, they're not stolen and used in crimes.
0: Oh yeah, because there have been a lot of that. It's been a lot of thefts, a lot of uh, car burglaries and stuff too, um, you know, a lot of violent crimes are up in, in Houston. And every day, you know, we, we have to kind of, you know, we watch our communities, we watch our neighbors, we take care of one another, but we also need to, you know, think about some of those other things that may need to be put in place. And what about from like a a city official side? There's so much things that you can say, but I know the police chief here in Houston, Texas, he's working really, really hard. And, you know, we talked earlier about how other cities, they were basically policing themselves. You know, so do you think that that's something that maybe a na- neighborhood by neighborhood here in Houston, that should be adopted?
2: Um, what do you mean? Like, like um, local police?
0: Like local police, yeah. Like maybe we can help out the local police by neighborhood by neighborhood. By in maybe terms of, trying to self-police. Uh,
2: I think that's definitely a great idea. I mean, it, in our neighborhood, we, you know, we do hire constable patrol, so that helps out a lot. Um, you know, the commissioner's court at one point was looking at not allowing the constables to be be used. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I definitely know one of the criticism for HPD is is they don't do community policing. So they don't know their, the neighbors in a particular area. So they don't know who to look out for. You know, it's not about profiling or discriminating. It's like, if you patrol a certain area, you get to know the business owners, the residents. And yeah. though, when you see someone who doesn't, you don't recognize, it's because they don't live there, or maybe they're new. And so um, that definitely is, a, is a, a, a way to, I think, cut down on some crime. But HP, unfortunately, doesn't have the resources. I won't blame them outright, but I think they don't have the resources to do community policing or do community patrols.
0: Wow. Well, you know, in, in Houston, you're gonna see these, these statistics roll across your screen, you know, as we're talking about these topics, because we, we always wanna be, you know, we want to tell you the news, but we wanna inform you as well want people to know uh, what's going on. And certain, you know, some crimes are down in Houston, Texas, which is always a, a good thing to discuss. So, you know, wherever you are and you're watching, you know, always keep up with the statistics of what's going on in your area because, you know, it's needed, it's necessary. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of things that we could kind of say about crime. We can go into a lot of things with crime, okay? Uh, is it um, due to uh, is it teenagers that are doing the crimes? Is that due to uh, lack of recreational centers, after school programs, you know, with COVID being shut down? You know, if you really think about it, everybody kind of went through something, right? Then we look at the financial situation where people are. Inflation is up, right? Prices are going up on things. Um, a lot of jobs are hiring, but some people due to safety protocols. They won't go out there and get those jobs that are available. So it's like, when you look at crime, do we look at everything? Or do we just look at, like you said earlier, like we do, we, you know, the left, we just concentrate on just the gun
2: control. I think the left likes to talk about, you know, <laughs> midnight basketball and some of the social aspects that cause crime. And I think there's definitely a discussion that needs to be had, but I clearly think the problem right now is that uh, crime's increasing because, you know, it's, it's not enforced, you know, the smash and grabs. You know, people aren't uh, prosecuted so they know they can get away with it. Um, burglaries, uh, you know, home just to steal, you know, cash or jewelry. Those crimes aren't, aren't solved. So criminals know that they can do that and not get caught. And so it, it continues, you know, um, even small things that are kind of annoyance and that aren't, shouldn't be at the top of the list, but like things like fireworks inside the, the city of Houston limits uh, always been illegal but it's just increasing because uh, they're not being enforced you know vagrancy homelessness we see people on corners that we've never seen before in areas in in suburban neighborhoods we've never seen because they're not uh, they're not enforced so I think uh, you know we need to go back and mayor Giuliani you know he's the first one that really cracked down on this that you start enforcing the laws because the one broken window leads to more crime and I think that that Is one of the key issues that needs to be addressed. But I would agree. I think there are social issues that should be addressed, and homelessness is a great one. How to get these people off the streets. You know, one homeless person's not going to be a threat um, necessarily, but we we, we do see that when someone's acting weird, and that's usually someone, you know, how do you know if they're homeless or they really have mental health issues and they're going to hurt someone like the lady that was stabbed recently uh, in New York by a crazy guy? the, the, the young college student in, in California where the crazy guy walked into the furniture store and stabbed her, you know. Are homeless people a threat most of the time? No, but if you see someone acting weird and he looks homeless, then it could be, potentially be a criminal.
0: Hmm. Well, I think that, you know, that's something that can definitely, you know, be explored more in, in conversation. And I think, you know, especially getting down to the city level, that's something that citizens should you know, speak up and use their voice more for. They should really do that. Because even you know, currently, even in Houston, Texas, automobile thefts are up as well. So we have to kind of take a, a full step at everything across the board when we talk about you know, um, you know, crime being up. So yeah, we talk about the social side, talk about the legal side, but at the end of the day, laws are laws, right? And they should be enforced and followed.
2: Well, you say that, the law is the law, but you've got DAs around the country who are, are choosing which laws to enforce and which ones not to. Is that, is that even legal? You know, you've sworn to uphold the Constitution and the laws, but you're selectively uh, prosecuting certain ones and not prosecuting other ones. I mean, that definitely should be an area for discussion.
0: Ooh. Like I said, look, it's getting hot here in TNT and politics, but you know, everyone and I will be right back. We're going to go ahead and break for our first commercial. So you know what? We'll see you in two and two.
1: Hi, I'm Chanel Garcia with the city of Stafford, human resources director. Please check out TNT and politics on HJS TV.
0: A healthy life starts here
1: hey guys it's Ashley from you endure and today I'm highlighting you indoors wellness organic herbal tea now it was developed to support women dealing with menopause symptoms but then we learned that it works just as great for PMS the all organic ingredients deliver relief for a laundry list of symptoms like anxiety insomnia hot flashes irritability and many more Plus it's so delicious. It is so good. You really don't need any sweetener. If you're curious, contact You for a free sample. And remember, when you make sustainable choices, You Endure. The You original tea infuser bottle is offering you a cool new way to brew your tea and infuse your fruit water. The double opening makes cleaning a snap. The removable stainless steel infusers make it simple for you to brew our healthy and exotic flavors. The bottles are BPA free and double wall designed for easy handling. The locking flip top lids are also available for even more convenience. These leak proof bottles make on the go drinking a snap. Try them with all of our premium organic tea flavors. You endure. Live, love, be healthy. And this is Larry Blackman. Great shout out to TNTN Politics.
0: Welcome back to TNTN Politics. Look, your host Candace Joseph is here with Mr. Albert Chang. Look, we are here and we've been discussing some, some great things today. And I hope you guys got a lot out of it. You know, opinion or education is all good for us. But you know, we talked about some local stuff. Let's talk about some national things, right? So, for the, you know, everybody knows about the Supreme Court of justices. And recently, the retirement of Stephen Breyer, you know, it was confirmed this week he's retiring. And the thing about it is, is that President Biden made a campaign promise to where the next Supreme Court justice pick would be a woman. So technically right now he's, he's looking at some women candidates.
2: Well, I don't think it was just a woman. Didn't he say an African woman? African-American woman?
0: African-American women. Yeah, he's looking at African-American women. So look, he, he has some some great picks here. And we're going to get into we're going to get into the picks and we're going to get into the decision itself. Right. So we have a judge Katenji Brown Jackson. Uh, She's a, a recent court circuit court judge in D.C., you know, court of appeals. Then we have Judge leandra kruger out of california she's part of california supreme court we have judge j michelle Childs; she serves as a federal judge you know um you know for the u.s district court out of south carolina and then we also have judge candace kawamu Uh, she is nominated as well she's a circuit court judge for the seventh court and you know they're talking about some great some great women here And they're across the board. We have Judge Holly Thomas as well. And these are people that are a part of, you know, the judicial system already. So, you know, what are some of your thoughts on it being, you know, women, African-American women? I think I think you and I both, we have some, you know, we have some pluses and some. You know some differences, and then we think a lot of the same on a on a few of these <laughs> so well,
2: i would think the the biggest aspect from on the republican on the conservative side is for the president to exclude a certain population by saying it's going to be a, an african-american woman you're basically saying you know uh, chinese americans mexican americans need not apply and i think that's hard for a lot of us to accept you know i think he should pick the best qualified person i'm not opposed to a female african American woman to be on the Supreme court, but I, I would want him to pick, uh, and have the Senate to confirm the most qualified person. And obviously you throw in the confirmation, that's going to be a political issue. So it's not just what he wants or who is the most qualified. You're going to have a political, uh, fight and it's going to be interesting. And so, um, you know, um, I think that's, we'll have to wait and see. We haven't really heard any of the senators make comments on, on, um, uh, who, who they'll, they'll prove, but again, I think for a lot of people, it, it, it even borders on illegal to, to exclude you know, uh, any other people except someone from a certain race and a gender. Uh, this day and age, I think it's kind, of, it's kind of difficult. And again, I'm not opposed to an African-American woman being on the Supreme Court. Uh, does that life experience bring things that we need to the Supreme Court and to politics these days? Absolutely. Yeah. But let's not exclude. We, you know, we've never had an Asian. We've never had a Mexican-American. We have a Puerto Rican uh, on there, but we've never had a Mexican-American. You know, Alberto Gonzalez uh, would have been a great uh, Supreme Court justice, but he he couldn't even get his federal nomination to a federal court. So, um, you know, are we playing racial politics or are we trying to find the best qualified and the best suited Supreme Court justice?
0: See, this is why I love Albert, okay? This is why I love this, right? So we have to kind of take it back, right? We have to take it back to the Biden-Harris, you know, campaign. We have to take it back to that. And, you know, as what politicians do when they get into office and they say, hey, man, we want your vote. They make these campaign promises. This was a campaign promise that Biden made along the campaign trails. And, you know, him picking African-American woman VP, was, you know, uh, one of those decisions that he made as well. And so now he's, you know, looking to fulfill his his promise. Now, you're absolutely correct. None of the senators yet have made their, you know, they're not really in too many talks about it. But they are split in the same, you know, what you just mentioned earlier. And it's really across the board on the Republican and Democratic side in regards to should it just be an African-American uh, you know, woman pool that they pick from, you know, who else should they confirm? And, you know, we got to look, start looking at some of these people because they knew that, you know, this was coming. They started looking at these women in June of 2021. So we have to take, you know, we have to take it all the way back. It's like, yeah, it's in the media now, but it's something that's been going on for months because they knew, you know, Supreme Court Justice Breyer would retire. So, I mean, for me, I look at it as a way of, you know, bringing up you know, one of, and I'm gonna say one of, one of the marginalized communities, you know, here in the U.S. and, you know, giving all people a fair shot. But for me, at the end of the day, for me, I can tell you, Albert, I feel like the best qualified person should win, man, you know, should be confirmed, man or woman. If they have the record, they have the experience, they have the education and knowledge, and, you know, they've worked in those paces and went up the ranking system, so to speak, I feel like they should be confirmed. Regardless of gender or race.
2: Yeah, and I think it's important to kind of look back too, not just at Supreme Court uh, nominees, but you look at all the federal judiciary appointments, and even at the end of Obama's last administration, that there there were so many seats left empty because because of politics. And you know, do do does the president, the current president and the former presidents, need to work better with the Senate? And uh, you know, there's the whole thing about. Uh, if, if you're a, um, uh, a nominee from a particular state that that senator has basically the trump card and, and say, if you don't like them, they can say, you know, I don't want this person nominated. Um, you know, we, we definitely need to discuss that. But you look at some of the uh, people nominated and they were just so radical that yes, Republicans would not would not not confirm them in the Senate. But that's an important part of the process is the Senate does confirm the president's nominations. And so, um, you know, the last administration, uh, it definitely was um, crazy, I would say. There's no other way to put it. Uh, The the, the last two Supreme Court nominees, um, uh, you know, I'm not uh, gonna sit here and defend (laughs) them in terms of, uh, not that I disagree with their politics or anything like that, but just, you know it's very tough you know we shouldn't have these type of circus environments you know um, uh, you know debate honest debate definitely should happen but mm. uh, we should you know it should not become a circus or, or political games you know I wow. think the last nominee clearly was a lot smoother than the previous one um, Yeah. But, you know, uh, what are your thoughts on, on the nomination process? Well,
0: I think the nomination process, uh, I think that what you're saying is, is correct. We have to look at it as a lot of these, you know, seats are being filled by different people that are, you know, different minorities, different backgrounds, those type of things. But it's kind of like, are we looking at filling a status quo? You know, or are we playing uh, affirmative action within the Supreme Court system now? You know, I, I look at it that way as well. I think the confirmation—it's uh, unfortunate, but it's very true what you said about like, okay, if the, you know, if that Senate, that state representative says, okay, well, hey, maybe not this person, and a lot of people will go for that. I think the confirmation process itself was really examined, and I think a lot of people got more into it when, you know, they were uh, going through the confirmation for Supreme Court Justice uh, Santorum. I think a lot of people really got into it then. I don't think a lot of people looked at the process of confirmations until then, and then with the following confirmation. So I think that it's a lot of uh, know-how, and I think it's uh, it's opening up people's eyes to say, okay, who do we really have representing us? What's their track record? You know, have they been in front of the su- Supreme Court justices before on a state level or you know, on a federal level? So I think that that's. You know, we have to play a a good part of that and see what's going on. So I think that for me, I'm excited to kind of see where it goes. I
2: I think hopefully it brings up uh, the topic for discussion. Again, uh, I'm not opposed to an African-American female being on Supreme Court or being nominated. I do think particularly Asians have had enough where they're excluded, especially you look at recent crime on the East Coast and West Coast where Asians are being targeted and nothing's being done and you look at uh, institutions of higher education where they're basically capping how many Asians can go to a particular school. You know, we found out that Harvard uh, negatively rates students because, Asian students, because they have too many and because they, they, they stereotype them as being quiet and meek. So I, I do hope it brings uh, this issue to a head and we have a honest and open discussion.
0: Like, I hope so as well. And I think that more as more news come out, you know, on a local side, you know, and a national side that we will get more into it. And I love the fact that more people are learning more about politics. That's one of the reasons why we do this show. It's such a great reminder for everybody to understand that At the end of the day, your vote is your voice. So you always want to be careful about where you put your vote. you know, you want to do your homework. You want to do your homework at all times. And this is a great thing about TNT and politics. And we're going to keep bringing you more and more of this action every week. So we'd like to thank you guys for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next time.